time for Where Hollywood Hides. Here's Bob and Suzanne. A chicken joke. I'm Mrs. Cleaver. From Television City in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller plays. the technology. Nanu, Nanu. Baby, you're the great. Here comes the judge. More cowbell. Matt Basher. There's anything wrong with her. And now for something completely different. There's no business like show business like Welcome to Where Hollywood Hides. This is podcast number 29. My name is Bob McCullough. And my name is Suzanne Herrera McCullough. I want to remind everybody, go to the website at wherehollywoodhides.com and take a look at our book. You'll enjoy it. It's full color, hardcover, the ultimate gift book, the ultimate celebrity souvenir. And on the website, there's a 20% discount offer, or you can go straight to Amazon or your local bookseller. And if you like these podcasts, please just take a moment to go to iTunes where Hollywood hides and give us a five-star rating. Not a four, not a three, but a five-star rating. And maybe even a couple of review comments, like how much you like us. And when you're on FB, that's Facebook for those seniors who are just coming around to logging on. Please visit the Where Hollywood Hides page and give us a quick like. It really does help get the word out. We have a great show for you today. An interview with one of America's most iconic actresses, someone who has been in three major hit television series, a name you'll recognize. A super lady. A great lady. It's a great interview. The only female actress ever to have acted with Elvis Presley in three movies, correct? That's right. That's right. A real nice person, which really comes through in the interview. Hasn't it been a lot of fun watching Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, he's had some incredible guests. Oh my God, he had Barbara Streisand on. That was impressive. The whole hour was devoted to her, which was really interesting to me because half of the hour, they were both trying to convince the audience that she was a nice person. I'm sure she is a nice person. It's just she's a real tough business. That's not her reputation. No, she has a reputation as a real diva, but you have to understand, her career is very long. Well, she is a perfectionist. And she's a tough businesswoman. And she has a fabulous voice, and she is Barbara Streisand, but she even sat in Jimmy Fallon's chair. I don't think he wanted the pressure of interviewing her. That's, That's a power diva for sure. Yes, yes. Anyway, it was very interesting. She has a new album she was plugging called Partners. It's a great album. She does many duets with a lot of great singers. You'll have to buy it to hear it. I'm sure you will buy it. Absolutely. I'm a big Barbara Streisand fan. Anyway, and they also featured the very next day was Jerry Lewis, one of Jimmy Fallon's idols, he said. That was awesome. I, I was blown away by his energy and how fast he is. He's really quick. You know, he's 88 years old, and it's been 50 years since he made The Nutty Professor. Great movie. Still Great love it. Great movie. Well, our website is devoted to classic television movies and music. I think it's quite remarkable that people like Jerry Lewis and Barbara Streisand are just going full board. They never stop working. Uh, Given that, I normally would not mention this, but I think we have to mention the fact that showbiz has really suffered hard losses this month with Joan Rivers and Robin Williams. They will truly be missed. It's really having an impact on the industry and in I think audiences worldwide. Anyway, I will miss Joan Rivers and, of course, Robin Williams. Uh, Nothing needs to be said. He was one of a kind. Indeed, indeed. And today's show, we talked to somebody who's also one of a kind. When you meet Shelley Fabre, you will be impressed by just how human she is, and you'll learn an awful lot about what it's like to be a child actor and what it's like to be one of the very rare child actors 
who has a very long adult career. And of course, like everyone else, every other American female, uh, we all wanted to be Shelly Fabre. So let's go. Let's go talk to Shelly. Here's Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Suzanne. <laughs> it is such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, you're very sweet to do it, want to do it with me. I appreciate that a lot. And uh, Jimmy speaks very highly of both of you. Jimmy Hawkins has nothing but fabulous things to say about you. He is your number one fan, you know. I, I'm sure he's told you we've been friends um, since I was seven or eight, and I did an episode of the Annie Oakley series. So on the Annie Oakley show, he must have been something of the older man for you. Well, he was, um, I, I think he was, um, I, I've never quite gotten it straight. He was, I was either seven and he was nine or I was eight and he was 10 somewhere. So yes, I guess a bit of an older man, I guess. <laughs> sure, and sure. Then, By the time you were doing Annie Oakley, you'd already been in the business for a while. Yes. I actually started working when I was, um, three years of age. Now, so, now, now, had you come from a showbiz family? Well, yes and no. My aunt is Nanette Febre, and um, she is she was at that time the brand new, bright, huge star on Broadway. Right. And, but in those days, obviously, the, the plays were done in New York, and there was really no connection. There was barely television, seriously, and there was almost no connection between people who were in movies and people who were on the Broadway stage. So they were like two completely different worlds. So while there was some knowledge, understanding of uh, being in show business in my family, it it really was from a a great distance. We lived in a neighborhood in Hollywood, and there was a, a woman who had a dress shop. Her name was Helen Fenton Originals. She did fashion shows with her original Helen Fenton dresses. And she came around to our neighborhood, and she asked all the different mothers if they had children uh they had girls and um if they if she'd want them to be in a fashion show as simple as that my mother was always always painfully shy just painfully shy and had been excruciatingly so when she was um, a young a little girl and in school she would like get sent to the principal's office like every day because they would ask who you know present which my mother couldn't even say present she would just sit there with her head down so they'd send her off to the principal's office so she was determined that my sister and I Smokey and I would not suffer the same consequence so she she said well yes they, I, because I was three years old at the time, so I didn't have a. You a were so little. <laughs> I just went with my mother. Sure. And my sister was six. So, anyway, we did that, and it just sort of went on from there. But I think the next thing that we did, uh, we played extras in a movie starring Barbara Britton called Bandit Queen, and uh, which I'm sure you have in your in oh, your of course. film library. Of course, yes. <laughs> and watch at least once a year. <laughs> and then out of that, my mother got us an agent, or an agent, I, I think an agent called and said, we'd like to handle your daughters. And we did a lot of still photography at the time. They would do ads, mostly from the May Company. And the little girl who is in pajamas and is in play suits and is in beach garb and all those different things, that would be either my sister or me. So, Shelly, you started out as a high fashion model. Yes, that's, yeah. I I try not to say that in interviews because it sounds so pompous, but yes, that's right. (laughs) So, So with a mother who was hardly a stage mother, Yes. others must have seen something in you. 
I guess so. I guess so. Whenever I say, oh, my mom, you know, wasn't a stage mother, and then I realize that I've just said that she said yes to our working when we were three years of age, it, it paints a different picture. But I, I, having known her, I know how, how and why she started this. Now, and now, was Nanette Febre your mother's sister? or your, No, my father's sister. Your father's sister. Interesting, father's sister. interesting that the, the sound of the last name is the same, but the spelling is different. Yes. I try not to tell this story out loud because it's really Aunt Nanette's story to tell, but I will just say that she was introduced to a huge audience in New York. She was introduced by Ed Sullivan, and he, he pronounced it um, this new exciting, I won't try to do Ed Sullivan's voice, but <laughs> this new exciting, fabulous Broadway star. She's a young woman. Give her, please, a, a great welcome to Nanette Babaras. Perfect. And and literally, <laughs> she evidently right after that she changed it. Right after that, she changed it to the spelling of F A B R A Y Fabre. Huh? So and I kept the family spelling. So that's um, and, so and most of the time people don't even know that we're related at all. Well, she was a huge star. Remember? Her oh, gigantic. Well. So Shelley, do you remember the transition from being a, a make company model to a first speaking <laughs> role where somebody said, "Now you get to say these words." I think the first show that I remember doing was a live television performance on um, NBC. I was probably about seven. But and, you, I did, and, you had the, I, and you had the confidence to just say, sure, I'll go do that? And... I was raised in the days when your parents said, this is what we're going to do now. We're going to go on an interview, and these people are going to talk to you, and if they want you to be in, your sh- in their show, you'll be in their show. So I said, okay, Mommy. <laughs> now, now, were you going to public school at the time? or No, I was going to uh, Catholic school. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit what life was like as a child actor in those days? Being a child actor in those days, uh, it was an entirely different experience from what we see today. It would be like comparing Married with Children to the Donna Reed show, you know, the the, the polar opposites of the kinds of shows that you could do. That's a great comparison. It was wonderful. I was always terrified. I remember being scared my entire, entire life. Anytime I had to go and do anything, I just, it was sort of, it wasn't amazing that I did it because, as I said, I was raised at a time when your parents said, you know, do this, you did that. And you didn't say, you know, I have a slightly different idea here (laughs) that just didn't exist. So um, I was terrified, but I went ahead and did it. And in retrospect, I had, you know, wonderful times. And as soon as the show was over with, whatever it was, I was then very happy. It was over with, and it seemed to have gone well, or however I uh, took the experience at that time. You were treated uh, differently. I I think of the young kids today, and I just ache ache for them. They are thrown into a business, depending just on how old they are, Today, it's it's a different world. I mean, you have the paparazzi, you have the articles written about you that none of that was going on when and I the, was And the up. internet? No, now they have no, no privacy. They can make no mistakes in public view because there is no privacy at all. Everybody sees it and knows it within, what, a minute, a minute's time of your day. Right, everybody's under a microscope today. When you were, yeah. when you were a kid... Um, and kind of just thrown into all of this, did you begin to study acting? I mean, who gave you the the foundation for performance? Uh, life experience, or actually just working? No, I've never uh, I've never taken acting lessons. There are an awful lot of acting instructors out there who don't want to hear that. 
<laughs> I know. Well, I don't think it was the right way to do it, to tell you the truth, but um, because I've really had and still have, excepting through experience, I have no craft, you know, to my to what I do. I I do what I do, and I uh, I have learned through the years what what is good, what is not good. No, I had no. I just had no training. Now, Shelley, right. um, early in your career, you were in a movie called The Bad Seed. Yes, and, I was. And and I have to tell you, I will never forget that movie. Which I, is which is why we don't live in a house with stairs. Right, right. <laughs> but, but my question to oh, you God. is. You, uh, you were what nine or ten years old when you made I think the... nine. I think nine yeah. when I did that. Yeah. Now, were you aware of the topic of that movie? Not at all. I had no idea. I, I don't think my mother said anything to me. You know, I have to say that I would think that my mother probably or somebody said to me, "This is about a little girl who's who's not very nice, who's not nice." To me. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. Exactly. That's and, what and any so parent would say. And so it didn't me at all, nor what the subject matter was. I had absolutely no concept of that whatsoever. And I wasn't in any scene where Patty did anything. She was just being, um, did anything evil. She was just being a little girl in the park. Right. Well, after so. seeing that movie, I really uh, was careful who I chose to be my friend in school. But I, I understand that. It's, <laughs> it's a very powerful movie. It's, yes, powerful and, and is the word. That, yes. mo- that movie came uh, just as your career really began to take off. Yes, it, 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 did, um, it did sort of go that way. I, I, I did work a lot. And Do you recall what, what led or what the precursor was to being cast as a regular on Donna Reed? Um, you mean what shows I did? Yeah, being, being chosen to be a regular on a television series is a huge step up from being a guest spot or you know small bit parts. Yes, absolutely. Um, and the way it happened is the way the life always went at that time. You'd go, your agent would call and send you out on an interview. And by then you were well aware of Donna Reed. No, I knew nothing about Donna Reed. Oh, really? No. I know. I knew nothing about her. And nothing. she, because she, she had been a major, major star prior to that. Yes, she had been, and I had, um, I'll say, lived a very sort of sheltered life. You know, I wouldn't have seen from here to eternity, and um, <laughs> right. so I really, I didn't know anything about her. Um, but I was told that I was going on an interview to play the daughter of this woman by the name of Donna Reed, and it was going to be her show, and that was basically it. And what I remember, the, I remember two things the most about this, this interview process. Shelley, first, first going, of all, how old were you? When we started the show, which was in July of 1958, I was 14. Oh, okay. Uh, you go on the interview and you meet the people and that you know in a room and you say hello, how do you do? And they ask you whatever questions they ask you, and then they say you know thank you very much, bye bye. And then if you get through that round, then you go and you do um, a screen test. And they did a screen test with five or six, maybe more girls who were um, there to do a screen test as Mary, and many different boys to play Jeff and uh, different dads to play Alex. So each one of us did a scene with Donna. So here's here's what happened. Um, I did not get the part. And it turns out that just as they were, they had decided on another girl, and just as they were um, getting ready to pull the production together, all together, Donna Reed said, you know, I want to see that that one girl again, Shelley Faber. I want to see her again, and and let's let's test her again. She said, "I just, I have a feeling about her." Well, she had so, real star power then. Yeah. Oh yes. I mean, it was her company. She and her husband owned the company oh. who were doing it. It was not called the Donna Riccio for nothing. Right. <laughs> no, it was the Donna Riccio. But 
whatever it was, something about me stuck in her mind. And I went back and did the test again, and then they called me and told me I had the part. Oh, that's a good story. So she had, yeah, so it, she, it, so she had a real... Uh, more than just an academic interest in the cast, she had, she wanted to have some emotional connection, and she felt it with you. Yes, that's exactly right. That's so, what was exactly it like? Right. What was it like on the set with? I mean, Paul himself is was a charismatic young man, and Carl Betts oh. is probably one of the most handsome leading men on television ever. Absolutely, no what, question. So, what was that like being on the set day in and day out? Because that was a real grind. You guys had a full season. Yes, they were thirty nine episodes a year, so <laughs> it was. That's a lot. Yes, it was a lot. It was just a fabulous experience. We laughed. Oh, my gosh, we laughed so hard. Donna had a fabulous sense of humor. And just silly things happened all, all the time. Donna was always kind and good and um, generous of spirit and generous in every way and very available to um, to Paul and to me, as was Carl, so that it was, uh, we really did feel like a family. And I'll tell you that for the first, I don't know, three, four years, we never went anyplace. We didn't, we shot in Hollywood. And so my life really consisted of filming the show, which took a, a week, five days to film it, and then just doing the next script. So I... I, I was aware we were doing a television show. I was not an actual idiot, but I didn't have any idea of how popular, how big this show was. And uh, a few years after that, actually, it's when my record came out, which is another whole story. But um, I got out into the world of the public, and I was just sort of staggered by how popular I was, how popular the show was, how popular we all were. It was just sort of amazing to me. Well, if you don't mind my saying so, it sounds like you're far too normal for the business. <laughs> Thank you. That that kind of thing has been said to me before, and I agree with you. My, my husband says the same thing about me, and I say the same thing about him. People that we work with, both of us, always go, but you're so, you're so normal. <laughs> so you just touched upon something that is a highlight in really... Uh, American culture, and that is your recording career. Tell, yes. tell us how that all came about and, and what you went through there. Shelley, I, I know I have to say this. I know you've been told this many times. Uh, number one, I wanted to be Mary Stone. I wanted oh, to be gosh. you, I, along oh. with uh, millions of other teenage girls. And number yes. two, Johnny Angel. I yes. loved that song. <laughs> So please tell us, how did that happen? Here's how it happened. In between the second and third years of the Donna Reed show, Tony Owen, who was married to Donna, he was the other producer, they were the producers of the show, and he came to uh, to both Paul and me. And at that point in time, Ricky Nelson had was exploding on the scene from Ozzy and Harriet, you know, and he would sing at the end of the show every every week, and his Su- record started to sell. Suzanne uh, just fell on the floor at the mere mention of Ricky Nelson. I him. was probably down on the floor with her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was, he was fabulous. Anyway, Tony Owen came to each of us, to Paul and to me, and he had a very gruff voice. He would talk like this. Hey, Shelly. And it was always, he was a big, tall man, and he was always so scared. Hey, Shelly, um, Paul, hey, listen, we got a great idea. And then he went on to say, um, we're going to have you and Paul, the two of you, sing um, some songs on the show. We'll record them, and then we'll put them out as records. He said, you know, like Ricky Nelson does. And I was astute enough 
to think, oh, this is such a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, besides which, I was terrified. I mean, I was. Had anyone heard your voice before? No, no. Oh my no, God! But, no but, wonder you were scared. Yeah, no, nobody oh, had. Oh my and, goodness! Um, so I said, oh, Mr. Owen. I said, um, I said, Mr. Owen. You know, that's gosh, that's a really good idea, but I can't sing. And and Paul was, of course, gung-ho. He was ready to go. It was so hard for me. I never had said no to an adult asking me to do something. I mean, they didn't ask me. They sort of told me. And this is how scared I was for me to say to him, no, I, you know, I can't do that. And so one day he came to me and he said, hey, Shelley. And I said, yes, Mr. Owen. <laughs> and he said, do you like being on the show? And I said, Oh, I said, yes, Mr. Owen, I love being on the show. And he said, um, you want to be on the show again next year? And I, not seeing the train that was barreling towards me, <laughs> I said, oh, yes, Mr. Owen, yes, I would, yes, I would love to be on the show. He said, ah, then sing. And and that was it. That's, that that's, was that's it. a bottom line suggestion, isn't it? And remember, it was said in this way, ah, then sing. <laughs> <laughs> From that point, I mean, did you start singing in the shower and trying to find your voice? No, I, the truth is that I had I had done a lot of singing, but in these these musical reviews that this one woman in Hollywood, I took singing lessons from her, all part of the tap dancing lessons and the ballet lessons and everything that my mother had, both my sister and I doing all the time. No, I didn't practice anything because every time I would think about it, I would just make my mind think about something else. It was too scary. But, but at least you could carry a tune. Uh, sometimes. I was right. I am not a singer. And uh, not just not schooled in it, but just not a singer. To what do you attribute the fact that you had the number one song? It was the right song at the right time. The show was very, very popular. And so we had a built-in audience. Uh, the show was, uh, uh, the song was a um, soft, romantic song. And there was a man by the name of Freddie Carger on the Columbia lot, and he did all the movies, um, songs and for the movies, and they sent Paul and I into a, a big soundstage, huge soundstage, and they had us sing two songs together and one song individually. So when I heard these, I just, I just wanted to die. I just wanted to throw myself off a bridge or something, anything, because they were so awful. And the only thing I felt okay about it, they're going to listen to this, and they're going to go, well, she's right. She can't sing, <laughs> and and Paul can. Uh, now, understand, the recording session was like this. If you listen to the record ever again, you hear so many violins, you hear so much double tracking, and you hear the girls who actually ended up being like the Blossoms in back of me. They were the backup singers for everybody in town. So the combination of all of those things made, and it was a pretty song, as I said in the first place, that made it... Um, um, it was quite lovely. I, well, it's 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 a, a pop cultural classic, and yes, and it I is. don't think I, you, I really don't think you should negate your input into it. Today's music is is you know there are eight tracks going and twenty five synthesizers behind everything. That I, is true. <laughs> I think you should be very proud of that song because I hear it, you know, on the right stations, you can hear it twice a day. Yes, I know that. It's it's amazing. That's uh, terrific. So why yeah. so this this all happened while you were working on the Donna Reed show full time. Oh yes, yes. And then was, and um, then toward the end of that show's 
kind of amazing eight-year run, which was right. incredible even for that time. Yeah. You began doing some more features. I think you were in a movie with, weren't you in a movie with Fabian Forte? It was called Ride the Wild Surf. Another great, another, another great singer, of course. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in that movie, it was... Um, Fabian and I played, um, we ended up as a couple. I've had so many amazing experiences, but that was an amazing experience and something that I had never um, even contemplated, you know, going going somewhere to be in a movie or a television show. So, so, so Shelley, let me ask yeah. you, you were, whether you admit it or not, a big, big TV star. You have a number one song, huge yes. song. And you were, what, 15, 16? I was, by the time the record came out, I think I was just turning 17. By the time it came out, so I was probably 16 or so. So did you have much of a social life at all? You were a teenager, for God's sakes. Uh, You must have liked boys. Was there any time for you to be a normal teenage girl at all? No. No, there wasn't wasn't time. It, um, I didn't go to regular school, I, uh, so I never met, uh, you know, other kids. Did you have any boyfriends? No, no, I didn't. No I time, didn't. right? No time, and I was also extremely shy. Sort of nothing came naturally to me. <laughs> I eventually learned how to date, but that really didn't come until uh, quite a bit later. And, and, it was, it, it, and it was just about when you were 17 that Elvis came along. You mean in terms of my working with him? Yes. Because he had been a huge star since, huge star since, well, like 1955 right. or something like that. So this was, um, this was already well into the 60s, uh, the first movie I did with him. So he had been a gigantic star. When I found out I got that part, I just, I really couldn't believe it. And um, During the casting process for that, were you aware it was going to be an Elvis picture? Um, that process was this, uh, different than all the others. I Because I was known at that time and... Uh, the show was just, I was just finishing with the show. The agent I had at that time made a deal with MGM for me to do three movies with them. And the first one was going to be this movie called Girl Happy with Elvis Presley. I can't explain to you <laughs> how unreal that was to me and how, now, the fact is I had I had always loved Elvis's music, but I had not been one of his screaming you know, fans. It just wasn't my style who I loved was Jimmy Stewart, so that gives you an idea of sort of where my head was at that time. And But I will say, the first day he walked onto the set, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. He walked onto the set, and you could, before you even saw him, you could just feel this energy in the air. And it was like, uh, I was already on the set, and um, Marianne Mobley, who was also in the movie, we were both on the set. It's sort of like Thus Spake Zarathustra, which he, he used as the, his opening number when he was in Las Vegas. Yeah, but that's yeah. what it was like. You were hearing that, that music. You weren't hearing it, but it, that, that energy. And he you know, came around a corner. I, I just was dumbstruck, and I thought, well, that's Elvis Presley. <laughs> You're the only female to ever appear in three of his movies. Yes, that's true. Yes. To what do you attribute that? Was Elvis interested in you? No, I. but I'll tell you this. You know how you meet certain people and you just kind of go, hi, hi. And it's like you've known each other like forever. Yeah, you click, right? Yes, just right away. And that's what happened right after I had thought, oh my God, you know, that's Elvis Presley. And then the next thing I knew, he was being introduced to me and or I was being introduced to him. And it just sort of happened. We just we just sort of clicked. And I know that he liked me. I, I in fact, loved him. And I, I, I know that he loved me, too. 
Um, but not in that way. I had just gotten married when we did Girl Happy. I had gotten married two weeks before we started the movie. All I could say at the time was, they say, how are you? And I say, I'm Mrs. Lou Adler. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I talked about nothing and saw nothing but my husband. I just was, I, you know, I, I was madly in love with my husband. And I think that was very clear. But along with that, it was clear that he and I had a, a, a very easy camaraderie. And then I think it worked well on screen. And I think all of those things went into making it um, making it happen that I did three movies. I, I still had um, a fairly recognizable name, and you know he didn't want to do those movies anyway. But um, I think knowing me it made it easier, and uh, knowing who he's going to be working with. So I, it just it happened, and we just um, I loved him dearly. That's basically I'll say he was a wonderful, wonderful funny dear man that's I great to hear yeah he was he was just wonderful there's only we, one elvis right that's right that's right he is he is he was and he always will be uh there was nobody nobody like him i i, I know other people have been huge and all that but there, no nobody has ever been elvis and you know it was a special mixture of Adams and whatever all goes into making up this person um well and, there there are very few people uh, ever who have the kind of charisma you're describing. Uh, yes. In one of our very first uh, podcasts, uh, Suzanne and I were talking about our careers, and I had the same experience when I very first met Kirk Douglas. Oh, my gosh, When yes. Kirk Douglas walked into a room, the walls tilted. Yes, I, I'm sure, yes, and, absolutely. And it's just a, you know, it's a gift and kind of a burden that some people have. It's both things. It is a blessing, and it is an absolute curse. And it is something that the people who have it, you can't learn that, you can't do that, you can't act that, you can't. You just either have that or you don't have that. And as you said, very few people have those ingredients, whatever they are, they're amorphous, you know, you don't, you, what does make up all of that? But all you know is, is that when that person is around, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big spiritualist, but you know, sometimes there is an energy and an aura and things like that, and yes. and certainly, certainly, Elvis had that. So, Absolutely. so uh, while you're doing all of this, you're still doing some television work, and you wind up doing a show called One Day at a Time. I had been cast first uh, in Norman Lear's production, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, right. and uh, I don't know if you remember it, but of it was course, sure, these last, yeah, and. Um, and then Louise left the show, and they decided to go on doing the show, and they changed the name to Forever Fernwood and added a few new characters, and I was one of the um, new characters who was added, and I played a really sadistic, mean <laughs> <laughs> person I against really type, right? Yes, yes. It was. It was. It was a. But it was a real cult favorite. Absolutely, it was. Yes, the, the the cultish people loved it. Absolutely loved and, it. And, and Shelley, did you enjoy playing a bad role? Oh yes, it's always more fun to play. You have more to play with. You have the best lines. You have the most uh, acerbic, cutting lines. You have, um, you know, people hiss and boo you, and that's <laughs> that's a great reaction to have from people. Sure. The, the, the part the part that I was always cast in, and that was another reason for the Elvis in the Elvis Presley movies. I portrayed, I, I was, but I portrayed the kind of girl that they wanted to show with Elvis, you know, a really nice, sweet young thing and uh, who had a mind of her own. But you give the person 
a, a nasty role, and it's just it's just wonderful. So did did uh, Fernwood transition into One Day at a Time? Did that open no, that door? Well, I got that part because of um, having done the Mary Hartman show. No, I'm sorry, not Mary Hartman, but Forever Fernwood. And then I got another call that they wanted to see me for One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time had a a, a run of nine years. Yeah, and let me ask you this. Was it a reunion of sorts with your Aunt Nanette? Yes. She actually had played my mother in a couple of episodes of Forever Fernwood. <laughs> and then they cast her. They'd actually cast her long before I was cast in the show as uh, as Bonnie's mother. So I didn't know for a long time that... Um, that I was going to be in the shows with Aunt Lynette, but I was. So that was that was fabulous. But it was not the, the first time that we had worked together. My aunt is so extraordinarily talented and so beloved by so many people. And to be there and be her niece and watch this going on and watch her, it was just it was just a fabulous experience. Yeah, that's, a, that's pretty unique in the business when family yes, members yes. get together like that, yes. Partic- particularly after each having their own individual successes in divergent areas. The experiences that I've had working in the shows that I worked in, I have been so extraordinarily lucky. I have had the most profound relationships, basically, of my life through the shows that I've done. Bonnie and I um, became best friends, and thats it's hard to talk about because Bonnie died this yeah. last year. And um, She was actually a high school classmate of mine. Oh, was she really? And even in high school, you could see the star quality, the energy... Yes. Um, both she and Richard Dreyfus uh, yeah. appeared together on stage in our high school productions. Right. And, and there's, again, it's a little bit of that aura charisma thing going. Yes. There's, they just had an un, uh, indefatigable energy, and they would not be denied, you know? That's, that's absolutely true, and that's exactly, I mean, you're describing, as you know, Bonnie to a T. So after One Day at a Time, which, again, had a very long run, yes, uh, you did. did a you did a series of... Gosh, you just did everything there was on television. Uh, you, I mean, <laughs> you, you, I, sort of before. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, you did, you were in everything from police story to, excuse the expression, the love boat. You did right, it. Right, you did it all. Right. You did it all. Yeah, I did. Love yeah. American style, uh, the love boat. Um, you're right. Police story. Um, and that all and that all I led did. up eventually to another amazing run on Coach. Yes, absolutely. I, I didn't work for almost four years, and um, I, and the, it, it stopped, and it just stopped, and then about four years later, it all picked up again. I, I went out on one interview for a love for a Mannix episode, and I got it. And I remember coming home, and my agent called me, and he said, "You got it," and I said, "I what?" And he said, "Yeah, you got the part." <laughs> So they were as stunned as I was. But once I did that, I just started working again. I was a huge fan of Bob Newhart and the Bob Newhart show. And I, I had always made a note just to know that I loved his work. Barry Kemp was the, the writer and the producer of, of the bit Bob Newhart uh-huh. show. Anyway, I get this script, and it's called Coach. And I read it, and they want to see me. And I read for them, and they called me back, I guess a week later. And asked me to come in again. And usually, what the agent would do would be say, you know, what, what different, what do you want differently done? And they said, tell Shelley to do it exactly as she did the first time. That's there's well, that's no quite other a compliment. Note. Oh my God, I was unbe- it was unbelievable. And that second time that I was there, there was a girl interviewing before me. I hadn't seen her go in, so I didn't know who it was. And there were just roaring laughs coming out of the room. And I thought, 
oh gosh, oh that, gosh. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very scary. And I thought, this this is not going to go well at all. Anyway, I knew how to do it the way I had done it before. It was just my way of doing it. And they called shortly after that and said, she's the girl. She's our so, so even So even at that point in your career, you had been really in the business for 35 years or better. Yeah, uh, in a, in some major roles and you know right. iconic characters. Even then, you were reading it at auditions. Yes, absolutely. And a- actually, after I finished the two auditions um, at the studio, then you had to go to the network, and the network then had to approve you. And that's always a great deal of fun. You go oh, into yes. a room, and there you know there are like ninety seven men lined up looking at you. Must and, be very stressful. Oh my gosh! Now the shy Shelley inside at this oh, yes. at this point when you go for your readings and stuff. Do you still were you still feeling the same way you've always felt inside? I have always felt exactly the same way inside. Always. Yeah. You know, always. And, and and people who are not actors would ask the question. Why do this to yourself? That That is the right question. Why do you keep doing that if you're just beside yourself? It was all I had ever done. It was all I knew. It's what my life had been about. I did maybe four times during my whole life periods of time. I thought, is this what I want to do? Is Do I still want to do this? And I would always come up with the answer that for one reason or another that, yes, I did. I, the only way I can explain it, I guess, is that the positive experiences that I had, which is not the case with everybody who get who get the parts. It's not always such grand experience, but mine mine were, and the good and the joy and the love and and security that I got from different people people on the show outweighed my fear. It won the battle each time. I mean, I didn't get every part, but I, I just would think the same exact nerves. Oh my God, I can't do this. I don't, I can't do this. I can't go in and do this interview again. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And of course I would go because I was a good Catholic girl <laughs> all that time. And you did. <laughs> we love girl. those Catholics. Well, you know, uh-huh. um, we've spoken to many actors and yeah. you know, many of them share the same feelings and they go through the same thing, and there's they some some of them say that that very energy, that nervous energy, they feel sometimes it makes them be and perform that much better. Well, and I, the, I, and, and yeah. the other thing I think, Shelley, in, in yeah. hearing you, uh, you talk about the wonderful experiences you've had and the, really the positive life. I think in many ways you get what you give, and you you bring the positivity, and that's what you get in return. And and I would well, get I would guess that there has to be a reason, uh, because you're the only person I know who's had nearly thirty years of television episodic series run. Yes, yes, uninterrupted. I, I, I mean, nine year runs, eight year runs, multiple right. times. That doesn't come from purely great scripts. That comes from the people involved and. It seems to me that your positive energy has a lot to do with that. That's an enormous compliment, and I thank you very, very much for those words. Well, we can we can hear it here over the phone. Let me ask you a quick question: If you had any of this to do all over again, if you were if you were seven years old again, yes, what would you do differently? I guess I can best answer that by saying I would, um, but there's a caveat to it. But I I would not ever have let any of my children go into the business. Now, I had experiences that I've just told you about that they were just wonderful. And while I was going through it, I wasn't aware of all of this on a psychological level. But when you're a child 
first of all, all children think that the world revolves around them. I mean, that's their life growing up. You know, mommy and daddy love me, and, you know, you're the center of everybody's universe. And, of course, you're not, and eventually, (laughs) you know, you get the idea that you're not. But when you're working as an actor, you do become the center of that company's world. You, you, they say, are you hungry, Shelley? Are you, are you tired? I'll get you a chair. Now, these are all grown-up people around you. Uh, did you want to lie down and rest for a while? Oh, Shelley, we're so happy to have you here. It's just so wonderful. You're so wonderful. And say, are you thirsty? Okay, we'll get you something to drink. Okay, so then the movie or the television show finishes, and I don't ever remember actually saying this, but I can tell you that the emotion is sort of like the next day you wake up and you say to somebody, you know, I'd really love some orange juice. And my sister would say, well, go get it, you know. <laughs> and I would be... Reality check. <laughs> yeah, it's suddenly taken away. It's it's a hard thing to deal with as an adult. It's, I think, really next to impossible on any kind of a um, healthy psychological level to be uh, done to a child because you're so unsure of who you are. In whatever age you are, you describe that differently. But you're still you're f- figuring out who you are all during are growing up years and you get your idea of who you are by the approval of people that you go into a room to meet and so um you know you know what kind of a part it is and you sort of adjust yourself to that and that's who they see and then if you get the part well then that's good i'll do it that way it doesn't produce any i don't think and and i think the world is, is much different now but i'm talking about when i was doing this i don't think it produces any really healthy psychological uh foundation gives anybody a particularly strong psychological foundation um there are the exceptions there's ronnie howard there is jimmy hawkins there um well shelly that's that was my next question Historically speaking, we've seen child actors have a very, very difficult time being adults. And a lot of them have had terrible careers after that and terrible lives. So my question to you is, why do you think you got through that better than others? Uh, I would have to say the first answer would be because of who my parents were and how they raised me and how as much as I was in the show in show business that's not what our home life was about you know at all and because I was so nervous and I always felt like I was unable to do whatever it was that was being asked of me I don't think there was ever a chance that I was going to get stuck up or think oh I'm I am really great I literally had labored under the aegis of being just awful you know just just being there by the skin of my teeth and uh, one wrong move and they're going to say, Shelly, thank you. you, you can go home now. So I think that that played into my being basically a normal person and being able to deal with what comes with, with that kind of attention and that kind of popularity and all of that stuff. I think also I had great examples around me. I had my Aunt Nanette, I had Donna Reed, and they were incredible role models. And I think I just think there was a grounding in my family that had to be the first thing. And secondly, I think it's just the luck that I had. Because as I said, so many people. I mean, this town is filled with the carcasses of people who have fallen by the wayside and have just died afterwards. They sure. just came. And, sure. and it's, so, it's so hard. It, you know, it's a hard business as an adult when you walk into a room. I'm telling you guys kind of things that you all know. But when you walk into a room... And in essence, somebody will look you, look at your head, look you up and down, and look, and then say, no, 
and you go out. So you don't know, was I too tall? Was I too small? Sure. Was I too blonde? Was I too... Yeah, you, well, I you're, too just being, you're being constantly judged on things that right. you can't control. And, right. And so you take your view of yourself ultimately from other people because that's how you've been judged always by other people. Coming in second for the show didn't mean anything. You know, so sure. if you got the part, all was great. If you didn't get the part, even though my parents had me handle it differently, but the fact was you still didn't get it, and you never know why you didn't get it. You just don't know the reason why. That that would always be a, a very helpful thing if somebody would yeah, tell you why you didn't get it. Yeah, of course, of course. So, Shelley, as we kind of come into the home stretch here, yes. uh, let me ask you some very difficult questions okay. that only require almost a one-word answer. Oh my gosh, won't you be amazed? Yes. I can do that. Yes. <laughs> of all the work you've done, what was your favorite all-time role? For different reasons, I will say uh, One Day at a Time and Brian's Song and Coach. Wow. That's quite a spectrum. Brian's Song yeah. really made me cry, I gotta oh, tell you. Made me cry. <laughs> that was a good uh, one. So, really and, then, and the next difficult question, yes. I know you were enamored of Jimmy Stewart, but you never worked with him, did you? No, never did. So never who did. who was your favorite all-time leading man? Uh, my favorite leading man would have been, I, I think, probably Elvis. It was just a, a, such an extraordinary experience that um, he was a huge presence in life and certainly in my life. So I would say, I would say Elvis. They're, they're, I'm going to hang up the phone and I'm going to go. Oh, wait a minute! How could I have not said so and so? No, but well, I, I, I think you've you've picked a pretty good guy. I, I think most <laughs> right. people will understand when you say Elvis. Yeah, you know, he was it, bigger than life. He was. Everybody knew was. that. And Shelley, you know, uh, TV has changed quite a bit these days. Oh yes. And uh, as you have uh, said, acting and being an actor these days has changed across the board. What advice would you give to any girl or young woman of any age wanting to make it as an actor today? Uh, the first thing I would say always is if you're a youngster growing up and if your parents will let you do it, do plays at in school, you know, and in community theater. Just get any experience that you can. Work behind the scenes. I know life is different now, but this is still what my advice would be. You know, work on the crew. Do do everything so that you you keep getting experience. And then I think... I think an education is hugely important. Sure. Most actors I yeah. find to be very smart and, you know, in different ways, but very, very smart. And an education to whatever level you can take it is, is just so beneficial. So I would say stay in the school form of your life until you graduate from be it high school or college, college would be better, and then just do any show that you can. Do a lot of community theater. It, the experience that you gain is unbelievable. Now, I will say this. It's just next to impossible to get an agent today. Next to impossible. I, I worked with somebody very well-known who didn't have an agent, didn't, hadn't used one for years, and didn't, hadn't really wanted to, but decided that this person needed to then. So I said, well, let me, I'll call my agent. I said, that's just ridiculous. So I got on the phone right away. And they turned him down I, to say that I was horrified and I'm embarrassed. Sure. Oh, but just, just devastated for him. I talked to the agent afterwards and I said, I don't understand something. This man has such a track record and he is this and he is that. And he said, you know, he said, we don't have parts for people 
like him and we don't get calls for actors like him to do and we don't want to just take somebody on just to take them on we try to take people that we feel that our agency can do you know well by all of which is good and is is terrific but what the actor is left with is uh, they said no they didn't want to it's yeah. a and tough business yeah it's the, it's the business part of show yeah. business is yeah, so difficult that's right it is a business it so is one fi- so Shelley, one final question sure if you can in one word or a few <laughs> How would you describe yourself and your career? What was the key to your success? The main ingredient, I think, was that I was the type of person that when I started working and in my teenage years and stuff, I was the kind of character that they were choosing. You know, people my age were mostly, you know, young, nice people. Now, that all changed. That all changed when the 60s came about and uh, Don Riccio was over with by that time. But also, all stories with young people were about drugs and runaways and bad kids or troubled kids. And I don't think I would have been able to do any of those parts. I mean, I, I could act, but I couldn't, I didn't think I would do that believably at all. But on the other hand, I mean, I was never asked to. I, they never would think of me for that kind of part. So I think the main ingredient was the essence of who I was, I think was an essence that they were looking for at that time. I think if my time had been a different time, um, if I had come around in the 60s and hadn't done any work before, I, I can't imagine that I would have had any career. I mean, and, and that ta- at that time, you know, they were still making Elvis Presley movies, so I was perfect for that. Well, and, I think, uh, the, I think the, the proof of the pudding is that your essence is still there and that your career is really the proof of the value of that essence. Well, thank you very much. Well, I, I do want to say one thing. Jimmy Hawkins was right. You were a fabulous interview, and I cannot tell you how much we appreciate your spending the time with us. Thank you well, so much, Shelley. We really appreciate your time in all this. I, I have enjoyed it more than I can tell you. <laughs> you make it easy. You make it easy. Again, thank okay. you. Thanks so thank very you much. All right, thank we'll you so soon. much. Thank all you, right. Shelley. Bye-bye. 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 Wow, wasn't that so much fun to talk to Shelley? She's something else. I mean, quite incredible. You know, I forgot to ask her one question. What's that? How did it feel kissing Elvis Presley in the movies? Shelley, you got to whisper in my ear. I know it's showbiz, but you were one of the few kissing Elvis Presley. Wow. She, she was one of the few. We really appreciate Shelley doing the podcast with us today because everything she said really came from the heart and you could tell. And today's music is provided by Chance McCullough. You can find more of his original soundtracks at chancemccullough.com. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a minute and give us a five-star rating and a quick comment or review at iTunes forward slash where Hollywood hides. Those reviews really do help get the word out. And drop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash where Hollywood hides and hit that like button. So until next time, this is Bob McCullough. And Suzanne. Bye. See ya.